During the holy season of Lent, we have been focusing on the last words of Jesus. Uh, Today we come to the sixth word that we are sharing uh, from this study. And I do want to remind you that, again, this is Holy Week. We are celebrating Palm Sunday today. We're about to move into the passion of Jesus, uh, his crucifixion, suffering and death. But this coming week, we will celebrate Monday, Thursday, as we gather together here at 7 p.m. for a service of Holy Communion on Thursday, and then Good Friday, uh, 7 p.m. on Friday. And that is where we will read and pray through the seventh and final word, it is finished. So we hope that you'll be there. The choir has prepared a very meaningful tenebrae service on that Good Friday. And we hope that you'll join us again on Easter Sunday, next Sunday at 10 a.m. here for a service of resurrection and love. Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and Paulette Pearson is going to be reading it this morning. So Paulette, please come and join us. I will be reading from Luke 23, verses 44 through 49. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. When the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God and said, Certainly this man was innocent. And when all the crowds who had gathered there for this spectacle saw what had taken place, they returned home beating their breast. But all his acquaintances including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Paulette. So I know what you're thinking. How could this happen? How could Duke lose to UNC in the final four? Well, I'm not going to talk about that today. Not going to talk about Will Smith either. I want to talk a little bit about what it means to trust in God, even when you don't know what is next for you in your life. You know, when I, when I was a, a high school student, um, I was going through a, a tough time. I mean, my parents were probably going through a much more difficult time, but children never understand the weight that's upon the shoulders of their parents. They only think about what they're going through. And as my parents were divorcing in middle school and high school, I knew it was just a tough time for me. And I found a lot of healing and a lot of meaning in the church. In fact, I got very involved in the church during high school to the point at which I was one of the co-presidents of our youth council or youth group at my church, St. John's United Methodist Church in Aiken, South Carolina. And as part of that, 
I got to go and attend meetings at the church with all the other adults, with the education committee and the council on ministries and all these, these other things. But I also was asked to do something else in the church, and that was children's moments. And I had so much fun doing that. In fact, when I went off to college, every now and then I would be asked to come back. It was only about an hour away, Columbia to Aiken. So it was kind of like Tuscaloosa to Birmingham. I would come back every now and then to watch my little brother play varsity football. And then on Sunday morning, I would do the children's moment, and then I would go back to school. But in high school and then early on in my first you know, weeks of the semester of my freshman year at college, every now and then people would say to me, you know, you would make a really good minister. And I would say, no, thank you. <laughs> no way. When I came back and did a, a children's moment one Sunday when I was in college, the associate pastor who had graduated from Duke, he was our first cross-racial associate pastor. Ken Nelson, one of my mentors, one of the people that helped uh, me understand what ministry really is, said to me, you know, I think you're going to become a pastor. And I said, no, Ken, I am not going to be a pastor. I had been through a tough time as a family. I knew that uh, I wanted a stable future. I wanted to know two things, that I had a stable job in the same city, and I would never have to move. <laughs> Oops. You know, when you start thinking about your life, all those things that you think you decided, all those things that you think were done deals, there was a lot of fear in those, wasn't there? The purchase of a first home, the first time you went on a date with your significant other, the first time you held that child in your arms, you weren't in control, were you? There are a lot of those moments in our lives where we think we have the way plotted, but it doesn't happen that way, does it? In life, we often find that we go from moment to moment, breath to breath, year to year, into the future, trusting in God and in one another. Along the way of going into ministry, I ended up saying I would never be a senior pastor to becoming one. This is the first time I've ever been a senior pastor here in this church. Never thinking that I would be that person. I thought maybe I would be a pastoral counselor, you know, a therapist with Jesus on his side, or a youth director, which I did for many years. But along the way, it's almost as if God was with me and opened these doors, and when I had doubts about myself, it was always God showing me that it wasn't just on my shoulders, it was the church working together. A lot of times it's like that. We think that everything falls upon our shoulders, and if we don't do it, it won't get done. And then we find out that sometimes the more we step back and the more we trust in others, things happen. Sometimes even things we would never imagine. One of those moments I remember was early on in the pandemic for me. 
Uh, I know not everybody was a fan of the conversation sermons that John Carl and Angela and I had, but we didn't have anybody else in the service with us. It was just us. And so it was either going to be talking to a camera or talking to the other people there. And I remember uh, going into that conversation, preparing for some things to talk about. And then all of a sudden, I had all these ideas of the brilliant things I was going to say. And I started talking and then Angela said, yes, but what about this? I had not even thought about that. She just brought this beautiful analogy or metaphor to the table. And it was amazing because if I had been responsible for the entire sermon that day, no one would have heard what she said. The more we trust in God and we put our lives in God's hands, the more that we discover the beauty and the grace and the meaning that there is in life. I want to say to you that being a Christian means entrusting your life in God's hands. Sure, it means believing in Jesus as Messiah. Sure, it means that your knees bow before Him and only Him, but it also means that you entrust your life into God's hands. It's one thing to say, I believe in something. It's another thing to actually trust in it, right? I believe that the helicopter pilot can get us from point A to point B, but I ain't getting on it. <laughs> right? It's another thing to actually get on board. Being a Christian involves not only believing in Christ, but also trusting in Him, trusting our lives in His hands. We were doing a, a Sunday school class on the last words of Jesus that intertwines with the sermons here just before the service in the fellowship hall. And one of the things that we said was, is that spirit in the passage that Jesus is speaking here in the Gospel of Luke that Paulette read for us, spirit doesn't mean just my soul, right? It's not that I'm, I'm trusting God with my future after death. Pneuma, spirit, means our breath, our life, our spirit. Jesus is not saying, I trust my life after I die into God's hands. He's saying, I trust God with my whole being. Being a Christian means trusting God with your whole life. In Scripture, there are many, many, many people that are lifted up as people who trusted in God with their lives. And you've heard me talk about Hebrews 11 before, but it is something you need to remember. Hebrews 11 celebrates the people in the Bible that are heroes of the faith, not because of what they did, but of how they trusted in God. They are remembered not as those who did a good job and won God's favor, but as those who believed that God would take care of them. Abram, Abraham is one of those listed. He was having a fine life over here in a distant land. But then God said to him, listen, I'm going to take you to a land you've never even heard of, you've never seen. In fact, I'm not even going to tell you where it is, but I'm going to take you there and you're going to have lots of family and you're going to be blessed. And Abraham says, sign me up. That's the kind of trust that he had. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. I'm going with you. I don't even know what it's going to look like there, but I trust you. Sometimes in Scripture, we're also called to trust in God even when the work is difficult. 
Some of you love the song, Here I Am, Lord. We like to sing it right after we talk about missions, right? Because the impact uh, or the, the inference is, is that here I am, Lord, I'm ready to sign up for the next mission trip or the next mission opportunity. Here I am, Lord. It is I, Lord. I've heard you calling in the night. Do you know where this story comes from in the Bible? Young Samuel. Young Samuel is a child in the temple and he's sleeping and he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel, right? And he gets up and he goes to his mentor, Eli, and he says, what do you need? And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So Samuel goes back to bed. Samuel, Samuel. He goes back to Eli. Listen, I didn't call you. Leave me alone. That's my translation. (laughs) And then a third time, Samuel, Samuel. And Eli starts to realize God's calling Samuel. And so he says, tell God when he calls again, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. It's a beautiful story. It's so, so inspirational, isn't it? Do you know the rest of the story? Do you know that Samuel is called by God in that beautiful song we sing, here I am, Lord, it is I, Lord. Samuel is called to tell his mentor, Eli, that God hates his sons because they're sinful and bad. He has a horrible job. He has to go tell somebody God's negative pronouncement. Sometimes God challenges us and puts us in difficult situations, but that doesn't mean that God isn't with us, right? Into your hands I commend my spirit. It is not saying that God will take care of us in the way that we want, in that we will be safe no matter what. It's not like this is a magical prayer that we can pray when we're about to get on a helicopter, right? This is not some kind of prayer that we say before we go into a difficult situation and think, well, now I'm in God's hands, everything's going to be fine. We are going to be okay, but it doesn't mean that we are free from danger or free from change or free from hardship. That is part of our lives. Saying that we are in God's hands means that we are not alone. For some people, worry evaporates when they pray, into your hands I commend my spirit. For some people, the anxiety and the worry continues. But it doesn't mean that it's not true that God is with you and will help you. It's not about keeping you from harm. It's about being with you and that your life will continue to be guarded in some way, some fashion, by the Spirit of God. Sometimes we're called to do good and glorious works that are easier than others. Sometimes we're called to do difficult tasks. In either situation, we're called to God and to trust in God. The challenge is to fully trust our lives into God's hands. Think about this idea of trusting our lives into God's hands. If we put it in God's hands, we better be sure that he can take care of it. Think about the people that you entrust things to, whether it be your retirement plan or the keys to a car to a 16-year-old. I'm putting these things into your hand, right? I'm entrusting this to you. Sometimes we don't really fully trust in the other person. Sometimes we hold things back because we don't trust them. You know, I'm thinking about that, that commercial for Allstate 
with that deep voice, you're in good hands with Allstate, right? I can't go that deep. I can't go that deep. You're in good hands with Allstate. What's the implication? What's the implication, right? Hey, you know what? Whatever incidents or accidents may befall, you're going to be okay. We got your back. It may take months to get all the paperwork done, but we've got your back, okay? Don't worry. We've got you. The Bible tells us, in a sense, that we're in good hands with God. We're in good hands with God. Over and over again, God is a God of steadfast love and mercy. God is love. God is good. God is merciful. Merciful. The Psalms over and over again say, God is going to take care of us. Let's be faithful. We're safe in God's hands. At the cross, these words from Jesus are a prayer and a statement at the same time. Into your hands I commend my spirit is very, very similar to a line in Psalm 31, a prayer to God. Into your hands I commend or commit my spirit. It's also a statement. Jesus is saying, I trust you, Father, with all that I am. While there is tremendous pain and anguish in Jesus' own experience at that moment, he still trusts in God with the core of his being, his Father, his, his equal in God. He trusts him and knows that whatever the moments that follow bring, God will be with him. A child and a father, I trust you. A Christian and a savior, I trust you. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why this is happening. I'm not even sure this is the best idea but I trust you. It's difficult, but I trust you. If I had it my way, if you had it your way, things might look differently, but when God calls us and we respond with I trust you, we let go a little bit of what we want and we say something must come from this, something good. In the early days of the United Methodist Church, before it was united, it was still Methodist, it wasn't really a denomination yet, John Wesley and others would share these, these stories about God working in the lives of people. There was a, a magazine or a newsletter, if you will, that was passed around. It was called the Arminian. And there are many, many accounts of people doing good work and seeing God in their lives, but there's this thing that sort of happens over and over again in these letters, in these newsletters, and it would be an account of a person and their happy death. So-and-so and their happy death. Over and over again. And it got to the point where John Wesley and others started to see that it was a sign of holiness when somebody had a happy death. In a sense, it was almost as if they were excited to go and meet Jesus. 
There were accounts like this one, the short account of Jane Plumridge, who became gravely ill at the age of 14. Her friends encouraged her to pray, and she became aware of her sinfulness and prayed for forgiveness. She became so happy at that prayer and advised her family and friends to do the same. When she died, she was reported as being very happy. Others were reported as being in the same boat. They were very happy at their death. They would often either want to hear spirituals or songs, uh, hymns being sung, or they would be praying as they passed on. Another person uh, who had a happy death was Henry Robertson, who was asked by his family and friends before his death what he wanted said at his funeral. And he said, don't talk about me, except for saying that I love Jesus and that Jesus died to save me from my sins. Happy death. This idea is that these people, whether they said it or not, were living out the phrase, into your hands I commend my spirit. I would imagine that many of these people, even though they had, according to this newsletter, a happy death, did not always have an easy death. They were not always free from pain in that, but they at least trusted in God no matter what. And that was a sign, of course, of their relationship with God. In a sense, I feel like this is the message that Jesus is sharing with us is that not that we can have happy, happy closures in life or in death, universally, but that we can, in a sense, trust God with our coming and our going. We can trust God with our beginning and with our ending. We can trust God because we are in good hands with him. You may remember that early on, the third or fourth word that we shared from the cross was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These words from the 22nd Psalm, a Psalm of lament. We talked about what lament was. And we said, when we were reading that passage, that lament and Psalms of lament often end with words of praise or thanksgiving. God, I don't really feel like you're watching out for me, but you know what? I still trust you, and I'm in your hands. Jesus' prayer, in a sense, is the ending of a lament, the ending of a long prayer to God, saying basically, in all of this, I've trusted you, and I'm trusting you with my last words and my last breath. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. I know some people today are probably wondering what's next for them. What, what's next for your family? How is the situation that I am going to be resolved? You may be worried about finances or health. You may be worried about the future. I don't know what it is, but every single one of us has some sort of unease about what's next. And I want to say to you that God gives us two things. God gives us himself. Jesus is on that cross for us. 
We're not alone in this life. God knows what it means to live and to love and to suffer and to die. We can never be alone. The other is that we're not alone because God has given us other people that walk with us. The more we isolate ourselves into our own worry or anxiety, the more helpless we feel. But the more that we unite with other people around us who have the same heart and the same mind and the same prayer, the more that we feel we can make it through. Isn't it sad but also wonderful at the same time that after a tragedy, people unite like never before because they've all gone through the same thing? I mean, think about what 9-11 was like even in the most difficult hours and days of that and how people came to church and there was a feeling of, I feel helpless, but here I am with other people and I don't feel as scared as if I would listening to the news or watching the news alone in my house. That faded rather quickly as life went back to normal for those who were not immediately impacted by it. But this happens in communities where they're struck by natural disasters, tornadoes in this area, where people come together and rely on one another to not feel like they're alone in their worry or anxiety. We are tempted, friends, to push ourselves away from one another in times of worry or anxiety. And that's usually the very moment that we need to be around others that we can trust. If they are trustworthy, they are worthy of being around when we need them, just like God. If God is good and God is love and God is full of steadfast love and forgiveness, he is trustworthy. And when we have these feelings, it is good to be around him. There is no magic step to simply go from worry into peace and comfort. There's only a pathway that we can walk to get from where we are to there. There's only a pathway. And that pathway is through Jesus Christ and the people that God has placed in our lives. We should not walk this road alone. Whatever the future holds, if we trust that God is the Lord of all things, we can trust that he will bring it eventually to its right and wonderful conclusion. I hope you'll join me as I struggle to make that earnest prayer my own. Into your hands, I commend my spirit. Well, thank you for joining us, and I hope that you found this message to be meaningful and life-giving. I look forward to you joining us next time, either on our live stream on Sunday mornings here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. It's at 10 o'clock a.m. Or if you want to join us in person, you're welcome to do so. Also here at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find out more about our church family, who we are, what we do, and how to get involved, as well as more information about our worship services at www.bluffparkumc.org. Hope you have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you next time.